You're listening to the RUF at UT podcast. You're never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And you are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. For more information, go to www.utk.ruf.org. You know, so this semester as we've been looking at Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, we see a lot of things um, that the gospel of Jesus Christ plus nothing saves us from. Right? Like it saves us from having to live under the law as a means to kind of earn God's love and favor. It saves us from having to impress God um, and earn His favor through the works of our own lives and our efforts. Um, and it shifts our thinking to a place of the finished work of the cross rather than our own efforts. It's that gospel of Jesus plus nothing being everything. And so tonight I want to see how Galatians 5 and this beautiful gospel, what they're actually saving us to and what they're saving us for. Um, yeah, and so as Christians, as believers, we are not merely human beings that are saved from sin and out of death, but we are now human beings because of Jesus that are actually enabled to make this world a better place, uh, to actually make this a more beautiful place, to actually help in the redemption of the world. Um, and this comes through the renewal and the redemption of ourselves. And like Matt said last week, we're actually saved for freedom, and we're actually saved for holiness. And that word holiness to most of us, if you're like me, it kind of seems like spiritual broccoli. That like, you know it's good, you know you need it, but you don't want it, and it tastes really bad. And so, I hope that we can, that we can redeem the idea of what holiness is together tonight. Um, because we're being made into the people that we were created to be through the Holy Spirit's work in us. And that comes through these fruits that it gives us. Um, so without further ado, let, let's read together. Uh, it's in your handout and it's also, I think, going to be on the screen. Or if you have the word, it's, it's Galatians 5, verses 16 uh, through 25. I'll read that. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, <clears throat> and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing what you want to do. Now, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not, you are not under the law. Now, the law... Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step uh, with the Spirit. Let me pray first real quick, uh, and then we'll kind of talk about that more. Uh, Dear Lord, thank you so much uh, for this day and all the blessings that you've given us. I just pray for your grace and your mercy on me as we talk through this word. And I pray that you would um, open up our hearts and our ears, that they would be malleable, and that our souls would really kind of take what your word has for us, um, and that your spirit would drive it into us, and that we would leave here um, thinking that you are more beautiful um, than we did when we came. Um, We need your help to do this. Uh, It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Um, So I want to look at quick... or. 
I won't say quick, sorry. I want to look at three things really quickly. Um, the first is what fruit is. What are these fruits that the Bible is actually talking about? The second thing is how fruit grows. And then the third thing is how can we experience that growth in us? So what fruit is, how fruit grows, how can we actually experience that growth? Um, so let's take a, a really quick look at what fruit is, or, or should I say what fruit isn't? Um, I want to make it clear that these fruits that are kind of listed in Scripture here, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, those, because of the nature of how fruit grows, fruit always grows kind of at the same time, right? Like you, you wouldn't see, if you were looking at a healthy tree, you wouldn't see an apple that's like this big and then an apple that's this big. So like these fruits kind of all grow together. And I, I say that to say that these if you just feel like you're kind of naturally a kind person, like naturally a joyful person, like I want you all to see these fruits are not, they're not gifts. They're not just like personality traits and temperaments that you're kind of born with. These are things that really do have to grow in us from being connected to something else other than just our personality and our temperament and our disposition. And so like, for example, joy is not just simply someone who's kind of like happy and upbeat all the time. Like that person could still be very discontent with their current situation and kind of blaming God. So like true joy here is a delight in God purely based on his beauty and who he is, regardless of your station in life or your circumstances. Peace is not just being that like casual laid back guy that nothing really gets to. Um, because you could still have this like that, that, that confidence to do that is probably resting in your own ability to just like not care about your circumstances. And that's not true peace. True peace is this confidence and rest and the control and wisdom of God rather than our own. And kindness, like kindness is this ability to serve others in a real and practical way that causes you to have to be vulnerable and get hurt and probably exploited. Um, But you can do that because there's this deeper security in you from something other than just your ability to be kind. And I could do that for kind of all these things. And really, all I want to kind of let us see is that these things are not things that we are naturally kind of born with. Uh, these, these are not things that, that we can just say like, oh yeah, like I have that, you know, because it's my, it's my personality. I was kind of born with that. Like this, these are really things that we have to, we have to grow in us and cultivate in us. And so like when you read that list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control and all those things. Like if you're, if you're like me, you start to kind of like get clammy hands and a cold sweat because you realize you're doing pretty bad, um, at all of those things. Um, we're not always, you know, kind of like seeing um, a lot of those things in our life. And so sometimes it's easy for us to immediately be struck by kind of this guilt and shame and start thinking of these sudden, you know, urges and, and, and thinking of ways that, you know, we fail in all these areas and we need to clean ourselves up and we need to get better. Um, and so if you're here tonight and you look at that list and you think to yourself that there's no possible way that someone like you could ever like start to look like that person, um, then you're actually in the best posture, I think, um, to start actually seeing that um, in your life. And so again, that's a very quick note about what fruit is. Just those things, they're not personality traits. It's not just our our nature that we're kind of born with. These are things that we actually have to really grow and cultivate. So that's kind of what fruit is slash what fruit isn't. I know that's very quick, uh, but I want to spend a lot more time on how this fruit in us, how these things grow, uh, and then how we personally can see that growth in our life. Um, 
And so the first trait about how fruit grows is that it's gradual. It's, it's slow moving. Um, the growth of anything in nature is gradual, and it takes a lot of time. Um, you can't plant a tomato seed tonight, water it, go to bed, and wake up expecting this like fully ripened tomato plant in your, in your yard. It just doesn't happen like that. If, if that's how you view gardening, is, is that kind of uh, experience, then you are going to walk away extremely discouraged. Um, and I would say that if that's how we're viewing our Christian lives, we're probably walking away very discouraged with our head down because growth, just it just doesn't work like that. Um, we can't expect to see the results that come from months and months and even years in just a few short weeks. Um, so take heart about that. Um, I mean, think about growing up, right? Like, I remember being in fourth grade and always looking at the kids that were a grade above me in fifth grade and being like, I can't imagine being as big as they are right now. And then when I was in fifth grade, I was like, I am not as big as they were last year. I know for a fact. Like, they were bigger than I was. And that may be true just because I'm a small guy. But that, that's kind of how growth is. It, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of pencil marks on door frames. It takes years and years for us to finally look back and kind of see that any growth at all had occurred. Rarely in the moment do we feel like we're actually growing um, in size and and all that stuff. Um, But this is exactly how the fruits of the Spirit grow in the lives of believers. It is is a slow and arduous and gradual work. Um, and, and, And that's good because it takes away our ability to kind of pridefully say like, Look at me and look at how much I've grown. Look at how quickly I've done it. Um, yeah, so on, on any given day, if you're looking to yesterday or the week before um, and you see no signs that anything is happening within you, that's, that's pretty obvious that that's what's going to take place. But when we finally take inventory of kind of like not only our bodies and our gardens but our souls over the course of years at a time, we can really see the ways in which that we've changed and grown um, and developed. But this slow moving, this gradual growth is important to us for two reasons. Because it, it makes us that much more gracious with others, but it also makes us so much more gracious with ourselves. And so think about this, not only just if you're a Young Life leader or if you're a volunteer at a church or you work at the youth group or, or whatever it is, but if you interact with people on a daily basis, which is everyone in this room, if, if you have a friend, this is important. Like if you have one friend in your life, this is important. Because... When we know that fruit growth is slow and rarely immediately visible, um, we're going to have so much more grace to other people. We're not going to be constantly expecting them to be in a certain place in their walk that they're not. Um, If we kind of own that any growth that we've seen in our lives has been slow, it will make us patient with other people. It will help us not get so frustrated and grumpy with others and especially with ourselves because we know that where we are has taken a really long time to get to and that there's even still so much farther to go. Um, Jason Isbell, one of my favorite songwriters, I'm going to reference him twice tonight, he's got a song called If It Takes a Lifetime. And he's got this line that I think so perfectly describes, or maybe not perfectly, but in a really beautiful way describes what it looks like to grow as a believer. And he just says, I'm letting my eyes adjust even if it takes a lifetime. So yeah, sorry, it's going to take a lifetime. I hate to tell you that. Um, But yeah, so, all right, we've seen that growth in in, in these fruits of the Spirit is slow and it is gradual. Um, But I also want to show you that it's a guarantee. Like it's it's actually going to happen, right? Because essentially as believers in Jesus, if we're kind of keeping with this agricultural metaphor, like we're given a new root system. And like so on, on a tree, roots are the way that they like 
get nutrients from the soil and from water and their surroundings. And so, like, the roots are, are it's going to take those nutrients and it's going to use them to, like, produce the, the fruit that's, that's on that specific tree. And so as believers, we have, a, we have a completely new way to process and create nutrients from our surroundings because we're given, you know, we're a new creation being born again in Christ. We're given this new root system. So, so growth is actually guaranteed to us through Jesus. Um, I love this story. I've heard it a few times. It's about a, it's about a man who died and was buried. I think it was a soldier. I think this was in like a, uh, a military cemetery. And I guess like when they were burying him, somehow there was like an acorn that managed to find its way into the tomb before they sealed it with the marble slab. Um, and so after years and years, unbeknownst to anyone around them, right, like all of a sudden this, this tree that was being birthed from this acorn started to penetrate and break through the marble slab that was kind of on top of this man's grave. And so literally where a sealed tomb had once stood, now again, this took years, but where a, where a sealed tomb once stood, this magnificent tree full of life and beauty had broken through. And if you'd asked me that before this story, I would have... I would have put all of my money on the marble slab. I would have said there's no way some little acorn in a, in a tomb is going to break through this marble slab. And I think we so often think like that. That there's really no way that this kind of marble slab of like sin in our lives is, is ever going to really be triumphed over and broken through. Um, but this is encouraging because it shows us that the Spirit of God will not be denied. Um, it may take years and years, but we can look back on our lives. Maybe we handled a situation with more patience and grace than we would have a few years ago. Um, maybe we're a little bit less irritable and impatient with our friends that annoy us. Um, maybe a loss like in our lives doesn't crush us the way it would have five, six, ten years ago. Um, And so, yeah, we can rest assured that this marble slab of sin and death that so often seems unbeatable is actually promised to be defeated in our lives. Um, And I know that you're sitting there thinking, like, wow, that sounds really, really great and beautiful, but that's, that's not me. Like, it's not happening. This summer was amazing. Like, I had this great high at camp. You know, I was, I was back in my home church. I felt so spiritually alive and on fire. But now, like, I'm, I feel so stagnant. Like, I'm standing still in my faith in college since I've come back. Um, and to that, again, like, keeping with this creation and agricultural illustration, I want you all to think about the way that things grow on, on this earth. And, like, when you look at the way that the landscape changes, the vegetation changes. And you see that, like, on the, top, on the top of Mount Everest, there is no growth. There is zero vegetation. Nothing can grow at these high points in creation. Where you actually see the most fertile growth and the most enriching growth in vegetation are actually in the valleys. They, just, they have more nutrients. They offer better soil than the mountaintops. It's just a more conducive place to grow something. And I think that our lives as Christians is the exact same way. That there is so little growth happening when we're at what we feel like these mountaintop situations are. And it's actually in these valleys of life that prepare us and grow us so much more into who we're supposed to be and who we're going to be than these mountaintops. Scripture said that Jesus learned obedience through his suffering. Um, So again, if you feel like you're in one of those valleys tonight, like take heart that there is some fertile growth, at least fertile conditions for growth in your life right now. Um, So rest assured, growth is guaranteed. Christ paid for it. It's going to happen. So this next thing that's important to see about the nature of growth, we've seen that it's gradual, and we've seen that um, it is guaranteed. So this next thing I want to look at is that it is supernatural and internal. Supernatural and internal. So gradual, it's guaranteed, it is supernatural and internal. Um, Which again, it's helpful to know that and realize that because it shows us things that fruit is not. 
Fruit is not the culmination of your external efforts. You cannot try hard enough for these fruits to exist. You cannot try these fruits into existing. Um, I've heard it put this way before. You wouldn't, take, you wouldn't go up to a dead tree and take a few apples and then start stapling apples to the branches, expecting the tree to suddenly miraculously come alive just because it's got some apples on it. Okay? We cannot tape good deeds or a good reputation, um, or being the nice guy, to the branches of our life and expect for those things to produce real inner growth and real inner life. Um, yeah, so this, the Spirit works from the ground up and from the inside out, internally and supernaturally changing who we are because of that new root system, because of that new identity in Jesus. Um, we also see that fruit is not simply more religious activity. It's not just going to RUF and, and going to small group and, and being a young life leader and going to church and volunteering. Like Those things aren't going to give you fruit. Okay? In 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3, Paul says, If I speak in tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging, clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mystery and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. You kind of get the picture. He's doing all these things. He says, if I give away all that I have and deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I again am nothing. And so you can be doing all these incredible things for God and still be lacking in some kind of, in in any kind of personal, spiritual, fruitful growth if all of those things are done kind of without love and just, again, in attempts to kind of staple things to your dead tree. Um, We see that without the Spirit supernaturally and internally changing us, then we're just working. Without that new root system formed by the love of God, through the Spirit of God, we are simply trying to appease God. Again, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, this is Jesus talking, and he's, he's telling these people, he says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I, Jesus, will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me. And these things that these people are talking about sound like really good things. Prophesying in his name, casting out demons, many mighty works. But you can tell by the way that they're talking to him that the faith that they have is grounded in the things that they have done. These people, telling, these people were telling Jesus to look at these external works that they had performed um, as some kind of means for him to approve of them and accept them and love them rather you know, than, than telling them, or then telling Jesus to look at his life in their place. And so, um, again, there was no internal kind of fruit and change in them. And that's terrifying to us. And, and we see Jesus in that passage as being really kind of harsh. And it's because we're, we too so often want to be able to, like, pile up this resume before Jesus and say, but, like, but Lord, Lord, like, look, look at these things that I've done for you in your name. Um, instead of getting him to look at his life in our place. And so we cannot confuse seeing the fruits of the Spirit in our lives with busyness. Because if, we'll do, if we do that, we'll, we're actually going to start seeing the fruits of the, the flesh being worked out. Those, those things that Paul listed in this chapter, all the, all the fruits of the flesh, those terrible bad things that you think you're never capable of, those things are going to start coming out in our life um, if we start seeing fruits of the Spirit as busyness. And I know that sounds kind of confusing and weird, so like, follow me here um, kind of with this idea. Because you're like, you know, how can attempting to cultivate these fruits on my own produce wicked things? Um, But if you're simply trying to cultivate kindness, right, out of your own heart, if you're just like, well, I'm just going to focus on being kind. I'm just going to really try to be a kinder person. Um, 
you're going to experience a lot of exploitation. Uh, people are going to step on you. You're going to get run over. And you're not going to receive any of the praise and the credit that you thought was going to come from you just being kinder to people. Um, and so because of that, you're actually going to start to get jealous at all these people around you that are kind of living however they want and running other people over. But yet they seemingly are thriving and doing really, really well in this world. Um, and maybe that jealousy turns into fits of anger and outbursts because you're not given this recognition and earthly blessing that you think should come to someone who is just really trying their hardest to be a kind person. And so we actually see that your desire to be kinder is what's actually destroying you, which is the essence of idolatry. Anytime we take a good thing and make it the ultimate thing in our lives to give us meaning, to give us purpose, and to give us joy and satisfaction, that thing will either... That that thing is going to destroy us because we're not going to get it. We're going to fail it at some point. Or we're going to become arrogant arrogant and conceited whenever we do kind of like serve that idol well enough. Um, yeah, and so like on that list, fruits of the flesh, when it says, um, when it talks about sexual immorality, like if we look to another person's love and affection for us, right, as, these, as this ultimate thing in life that's going to make us complete, then we're going to find ourselves doing kind of anything we can with our bodies to keep them around and to keep them coming back. And so that's how a good thing like love from another person can actually produce kind of this wickedness in us. Um, yeah, and so that's, that's how idolatry works, and that's the opposite of kind of how fruit grows. Um, and so, right, fruit, we've seen, it starts at the root of who we are. Supernaturally, through the love of God and the work of Christ, it starts to change us. We see that kindness and love and patience are not things that we have to focus on themselves and work to attain, but that, we're, that they're actually going to start growing anyway when we start focusing on Jesus. We see that when we focus on cultivating these fruits in our own life through our own efforts, I feel like we end up without them. And so this kind of brings us to the third point. That, that was a huge one about how fruit grows. I'm really sorry about that. The, the, this, this last point is, okay, so now what? Like, what me? How can I see this? How can we actually experience gospel growth and see this fruit in our life? So how can I grow? And so I love this saying. Um, by the way, I've gotten a lot of help uh, on this topic from a guy named uh, Ray Cortez. He's a pastor in Florida. He did summer conference this year with us. He has an amazing sermon on this. Please go listen to that after this and just listen to what he has to say instead of me. Um, but he, he says, talking about this topic, he says, you know, I love the phrase that like if you see a turtle on a fence post, you know that he didn't get there by himself. Um, and I feel like that's a really great kind of illustration of what Christian growth looks like. Is that like if you're seeing growth and fruit in your life or in someone else's life, you know they didn't get there on their own. Um, we're all turtles on fence posts. One day we're going to be shocked to actually notice that we're being gentle with someone uh, that would have driven us to the brink of insanity many years ago. Get ready. It is coming with your parents. You, you're going to start really liking them soon and being a lot more gentle and patient. It's going to take a lot of time, but I, I promise it is coming. Um, but yeah, and so these things, right, these inner workings, they can only be caused by the Holy Spirit working in us, not us trying to work in us. And so because of this truth, you have to take a look at what your root is. Because we've seen that just try harder and just do more are not sufficient methods for growing as Christians. And you don't have to believe me on that because I, I've been there and I know that like y'all have experienced that. That just trying harder and doing more is sometimes not enough to see real growth uh, in, our, in our lives and real crucifixion of sin. Um, 
And so I would suggest like we, we, we can't work harder in and of ourselves to cultivate these fruits, that we actually must get our hands dirty and get into the gardens of our very souls and start examining things. We have to get on our knees and, and get our hands dirty and start uprooting the reasons for why we do the things that we do. What do we really desire in our hearts? Where, where is our life really coming from? Um, so look again with me on your sheets. Um, yeah, just look, look on your sheets if you have them. Verses 16 and 18. Um, in this passage, verse 16 says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the flesh. Verse 18 says, If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So see that, see that parallel here that gratifying the flesh and being under the law are actually put on the same level. They're actually in the same place, which means they're pointing to the same thing. And that sounds crazy because there's this inner Pharisee in all of us that's kind of yelling out, screaming, saying like, no, the law, the law, the law is the most important thing. Um, now, hear me say this. Is the law important? Yes, absolutely. Because the law is an expression of God's character. It is who he is. The very nature of God is found in the law. But if we use the law as a means to validate ourselves and make us acceptable and pleasing before God, then in the words of Ray Cortese again, we're simply trying to curry favor with God. We're simply trying to convince him like, hey, look at me. Like, I'm actually a pretty good guy. Do you see all these good things I'm doing in your name? Um, we're trying to stand before the holy and perfect creator of this universe with self-confidence, <laughs> saying that we can do it, we can fulfill that, we are good enough, like we can do a good enough job to earn and merit his love. And that again, is our, that's our flesh. That's our flesh warring against our spirit. And what I love most about Paul's list of, of outer workings of the flesh is that he puts things like strife and jealousy and rivalry on the same plane as drunkenness, orgies, sexual immorality, and even sorcery. Um, because it's really easy for us to look around and see people that are given to sexual immorality and to drunkenness and say, yeah, they've, yeah, they've, they've really kind of let go um, of, of God. They've, just, they've really tried to take hold of their own life, and they've, they've abandoned the teachings of God. It's very easy to sit back and see that. But it's, it's a lot harder for us to look at ourselves um, and see that exact same attitude in us, that we want to be the master of our own destiny. We want to call the shots. We know what's best. The best way to do life is on our own. Because we have, if we as Christians are trying to live under the law as a means to save us, then Paul is saying that we're trying to live completely apart from Christ. Um, in verse 4 of, of Galatians 5 that Matt preached last week, he said, You are severed from Christ who would be justified by the law. So what now? We cannot try our way into seeing these fruits of the Spirit in our lives. We cannot do more and be better on our own. So what now? And I, I would say that the answer that Paul has for us in this text is that you, you, walk, you walk by the Spirit, like Paul says. Um, and I think verse 24 is so pivotal in showing us how do you actually do that. Because if you're anything like me, like I've heard that phrase so much like in church and in songs and like in all this stuff. I'm like, what does walk by the Spirit even really mean? Um, and I'd say that verse 24 is kind of the secret to unlock everything. It says, And those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you see what's so amazing about the order of that sentence? Paul saying the actual answer to putting our flesh to death and crucifying it and growing these fruits of the Spirit is to simply belong to God. Paul says, Belong to God and crucify the flesh. 
the world and every other religion and it tells us the opposite that if you can if you can clean your act up if you can crucify your flesh if you can do all these things then we'll start talking about maybe you belonging to God but the weight of that task is simply unbearable we we fail if we had to keep God's law perfectly to get him to take us in his children he never would and so Paul is saying that the only way to really crucify your flesh and really walk with the Spirit is to actually just belong to God first. To discover the satisfaction and the joy that comes from that alone. Then and only then can we begin this lifelong process of crucifying the flesh. And we can do it knowing that in our moments of victory, we are not more loved uh, than we are in our moments of failure. We're, we're not loved any less in those moments. Um, Essentially, we reject ourselves completely. Every, everything about us, we, we, we reject. Tim Keller, uh, if you're a sophomore girl, you know, you know and love what I'm about to say. Tim Keller in his book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, says that you need to get out of the courtroom. You need to take yourself out of the courtroom. You need to stop looking to what other people think about you. And you especially need to stop looking at what you think about you to save you. We actually need to lay our deadly doing down. There's this old hymn called It Is Finished. I love that line. We need to lay our deadly doing down. We can stop trying so hard and we can actually rest in the fact that Jesus died for us, His Spirit lives in us, and that that alone is what saves us and grows us. Rankin Wilborn in his book Union with Christ, again, if you've met with Ellie or I in the past like month, we've probably told you to read it. It's amazing. He speaks on this topic briefly. Um, he references John 15, 4 through 5. Again, another kind of agricultural, plant-based metaphor. It says, Abide in me... As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Rankin compares this command from Jesus to abide like a master's command to a dog to stay. Because there is a command. The command is to stay and the command is to abide. But it shows us that abiding and staying is actually an action on our part. Much like a dog, we are commanded by our master to stay. We have, to, we have to exert effort to not become distracted and, and brought back to that mindset of trying to earn our way through life and earn our way towards God and His goodness and His love towards us. We actually have to make an effort to not look to our own efforts. And so we've seen that the Christian life is, is not a to-do list. There is no way we can do enough for God to love us. And so we need to start seeing Christian growth that same way. That the same gospel that saves you is also the gospel that continues to grow you. Um, it's all about relinquishing control over our lives and looking to Jesus to be that kept promise from God. When God says that he loves us and is for us and that we belong to him, Jesus is the answer to that promise. Everything in Jesus gives us that from God. And so we can now walk and live and talk and act like this. And this is what walking by the Spirit means, I think, is that we live like who God says we are. Regardless of how you feel about Kanye West, one of, my, one of my favorite tweets in the whole world came from him. And I think there's actually so much wisdom in this. Please, regardless of how you feel, try to hear, hear this out. He tweeted that you have to know who you are before you can become it. You have to know who you are before you can become it. And I like to think about this as like, imagine you're going to Disney World on like the summer internship project and you're like, they're kind of assessing you and they're seeing like where you think you'd be good. And in your head, you're probably like, oh, I'm just going to like sling chicken tenders at Pinocchio's palace or something like that. Like, I'll just, you know, do some job and hang out with people to be really fun. But all of a sudden they're like, oh, we would really like for you to be Cinderella. And you're like, oh, I don't know about that. Like, that's just not me. Didn't really expect that. 
But now here, here you are, they've given you the clothes, they've given you the hairdo, they've given you the makeup, all of this stuff. And these kids are walking up to you and they're calling you Cinderella. And, and they're, they're, everyone in the park is treating you like you're Cinderella. And so what do you do in that moment? You start to act like Cinderella. You start to talk like Cinderella. You start to become more and more like your character every day until it becomes normal and second nature to you. You actually become Cinderella. And I think walking with the Spirit, it looks a lot like that. It's it's living like who God already says that you are. It is seeing yourself the same way God sees you. And it is loving Jesus for securing the fact that He sees you that way. I know we're, we're running short on time. Um, all right, so they're fruits of the Spirit. What does the Spirit have to do with anything? And, and this is what I'll say. Ray Cortese again, he likens the Holy Spirit as this voice inside us that's like a maid of honor at our wedding to Jesus. So in this wedding, right, we're the groom. We're, or no, sorry, we're the bride. We're walking down the aisle to the groom of Jesus. And the maid of honor is your best friend that's sitting on the side of the stage saying, what are you doing flirting with the world? Like, can't you see this groom that you're walking down the aisle to? He's better than any guy you've ever dated. He's going to love you so well. He's going to take such good care of you. And he's going to do anything in his power to show you that. So get up there and say, I do. So like, imagine the Holy Spirit as that voice in us. That when we, when we listen to that voice, we can actually walk by what the Spirit tells us about who we are. Instead of our own idea of what life should look like and what we think that we need. Um, And I think that it's then and only then when we start listening to that voice of who we are because of Jesus that we see these fruits grow in our life. Real love, real joy, real peace and and, and kindness and, and all of these different things that seem pretty unattainable on our own. And it comes from that simple call to abide in Jesus, belong to God. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus is enough for us. He's enough for me. He's enough for you. Um, and a Christian, anyone who has that kind of cosmic peace and security can finally stop trying to do all this heavy lifting on their own um, and look to Jesus instead. So I'll leave you with this. Just that line again from It Is Well, to lay your deadly doing down. All these things that we build to try to show God how much we love Him. Let's just stop and let's just belong to God instead. And I think then and only then are we going to really start to see these fruits of the Spirit um, grow in us and in our lives. Um, And that's an invitation. Just to lay your deadly doing down, belong to God, and start seeing that that's really the key maybe to growing as a Christian. Um, Would you all pray with me, please? Um, Dear Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for your son and thank you for sending your spirit to us that we actually do have an advocate who is constantly telling us all the time who we are in your eyes because of your son. Um, I pray that you would give us all the ability to listen to that and the desire to really listen to that and that those words about who we are uh, would beat out all the other words from the world about these things that we have to do and these standards we have to live up to. Um, God, we're so thankful for your son and thankful uh, for this ability to come come together uh, and look at your word. Um, It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.